1% Better is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Colts ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then it shows you all the last-minute deals for prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Remember now, this is just an easy two-tap checkout process, which is amazing. So head to the App Store or Play Store and download the GameTime app and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it, get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, Stephen Holder, and here is Zach Kiefer. It is 1% better. We are back. Uh, just got back in from Pittsburgh, and the Colts are now 5-3 and three after a 26-24 loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday. And that was as wacky a game as I have seen in a long time. I've covered, I think this is my seventh season covering the Colts, and uh, I haven't seen too many of those, Zach. That was, <laughs> we didn't remember half the things that happened in the game by the time it was over. It was so ridiculous. I mean, just what was that like? It was wild. It was absolutely wild. I'm going to run down the things that happened in this game, the notable events of this we game. We don't have that kind of time. how many you remember <laughs> and how many you forget, right? So there's there's Jacoby Brissett going down. You lose your starting quarterback after the second series. In the middle of the second series, there's a 96-yard pick six. There's a block extra point. There's a failed two-point conversion. There's a fumbled punt by Chester Rogers. Three unnecessary roughness penalties by the Colts, two of them on Darius Leonard. There's a, three turnovers by the offense. There's seven penalties by the Colts, which is very un-Colts-like. There's five sacks given up, which we need to get into because the offensive line has not played well. And there's a 43-yard kick at the end that was just booted a mile left by Adam Vinatieri, which brought up a whole new set of concerns about the kicking game. Um, a lot to take in from that game. There was a lot to write about last night in Pittsburgh. So... Let's just start with uh, the inverted pyramid here, I guess, to use a journalism nerd term. Um, start with the biggest thing first. So this Jacoby Brissett situation obviously uh, deserves some breakdown. Uh, he went down, what I think, with 12 minutes and change left in the second quarter. So that's a lot of game left at that point. And, and Brian yeah. Hoyer basically had to come in and th- play three quarters. Uh, I don't think that was the deciding factor in the game, but... But clearly, you know, when the when the starting quarterbacks hurt, that's the biggest issue facing your team. So they're, they're playing without T.Y. Hilton. And you're like, all right, well, they can make it. You know, they'll get by without that. Uh, then Brissett goes down, and you know, you're talking about a knee injury for a guy who who does you know tend to really rely on his mobility. I mean, he's not a running quarterback. This isn't Lamar Jackson, but he does rely on his ability to navigate the pocket and and maneuver. Uh, and able to to get himself in position to throw quite a bit. So, uh, and and you talked about the five sacks. I think that was a factor uh, to some extent. That Brian Hoyer doesn't have that kind of mobility. So this is a big change. Um, look, we don't know what the outlook is right now, but uh, Jacoby said that lateral movement was his biggest issue, and and I think I, I get that because it's because of what I just outlined. He is a guy that relies quite a bit on his mobility. Uh, how? What do you think this week's going to be like? I don't think we're going to get any firm answers right away. I think this is going to be a touch-and-go situation. Uh, what are you expecting? Yeah, I tried to get something out of Jacoby Brissett last night, and I only got two words. I'm fine. 
I think he would have said that no matter what. They are awaiting MRI results. It sounds like this is going to be a daily thing. We're going to have to watch and see how he practices if he does practice. But the other factor in this is they're playing the Dolphins on Sunday. And Brian Hoyer is a pretty good backup quarterback. And I think Brian Hoyer can win you a game against the Dolphins on Sunday. You'd like and to think. I think I think this is – and maybe this is your takeaway as well. I'm curious for what you kind of took away from how Brissett was handled yesterday. Remember he was in the tent for it seemed like two hours. It was more like 15 minutes. But during the course of a football game, guys go in and out of there in two minutes tops sometimes. Brissett was in there forever. And then he was jogging a little bit. Then he was trying to move. And I think the decision was collective, he said, which is important. Jacoby Brissett, Frank Reich, Nick Sirianni, the trainers were all on the same page. He's just not good enough to go. They didn't rule him out for the game because I think if Brian Hoyer goes down, they needed him to be available. But it sounds like it was just, let's just be safe here and not make this worse. And it'll be interesting to see if he's out there Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. But you know from covering Jacoby in 17 when he was beat the crap out of because there was no offensive line protection whatsoever. He's a tough guy. So uh, every bit of him wants to be out on that field. The balance they have to strike this week is they could probably beat the Dolphins without him. And it might be better just to give him another week because they're going to need him at his A game as they move down into December with some really big games down the stretch. Yeah, I think it was interesting. I'm I'm going to speculate here, but it was interesting. You talked about Jacoby being in the tent for quite some time, and I asked him about that. I was like, hey, uh, what was going on in there? He's like, oh, we were talking. I was like, talking in the tent? I don't get that. So here's my take on that is, again, speculating, but uh, my feeling on that is I think he was probably trying to talk himself back into the game, talk his way back into the game. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, Yeah. because we know Jacoby, and we know – the, the kind of competitor that he is. And I think that there was some part of him, even when he got out of the, out of the tent, as you said, he's running up and down the sidelines. Like, see, look, mom, no hands. And it's like, no, I don't know about that, dude. I think he wasn't that moving. He wasn't he, moving quickly. He wasn't moving very good. And I think you could tell he was a little bit hobbled. And again, that's just straight back and forth movement. We're not talking about lateral movement, which he said was the issue. So I, I really do wonder though. I, I, I get the sense he was probably trying to, to ration with the or rationalize with the uh, with the medical staff and say, hey, you know, I think I can pull this off. But you know, and they're also trying to get information from him. Hey, how does this feel? What when you move this way? How does it feel? What happens when you do this? That kind of thing. And because you know they're trying to diagnose it without the benefit of an you know an actual MRI at the time. So you know you got to do it old school. So uh, it was interesting though. I, I think that. Uh, Let's let's turn to Hoyer because I mean he may come into play here. We will see. We won't know right. this for some time, but let's talk about Hoyer. I thought that he uh, was. I thought it was an acceptable performance. Um, I think given what his preparation level was, is probably what I expected from him. But uh, what were your thoughts? I, I think if he. I also think. Let me just say this. I also think if he if he's the starting quarterback for an entire week of preparation, I think you'll get a better product from Brian Hoyer uh, when he's actually prepared to play. And your story speaks to that. I thought it was really fascinating, and you can walk us through it. But essentially, as soon as Jacoby goes down, Hoyer turns to one of the offensive assistants and says, hey, go get my playbook. Essentially, the very, very, very trimmed down playbook that he likes in the case Jacoby's out. So um, your story will speak spoke to this basically reality of him going in there and throwing to guys he's never thrown to. The interception to Mika Fitzpatrick was really costly, and he can't make that mistake. 
Other than that, Hoyer played pretty dang well. He threw three touchdowns. That's pretty good for a backup quarterback in Pittsburgh. But I think your story speaks to that minimal level of preparation, literally just a scout team quarterback week to week. And then all of a sudden he's thrown into the game with three days practice and with some familiarity with these guys. I think he's a lot better. Yeah, that's what I'd say too. So just in, in case you didn't read the story, the, the way this works is and if you didn't read the story, you should subscribe because, you know, that's what we do here. Uh, we try to educate you. And basically what the way this works for, for, for backup quarterbacks is, especially in this particular case, because Brian Hoare is very, very new. I realize that we're eight weeks in, but keep in mind, uh, he has not taken any real reps uh, with the starting unit because Jacoby Brissett barely had enough time to prepare to be the starter uh, once this season got rolling. He had, what, a week and a half, two weeks notice uh, after Andrew Luck retires. Right. And, and so and when did backup quarterbacks get their snaps with the team? They get him in training they, camp. He wasn't They here. get him in the offseason and in training camp. That's right. Uh, they, they really do split the reps up Maybe not a ton, but but you're going to get a decent amount of reps in the tra- in training camp and in the offseason when you're the backup. Uh, but that there's just no time for that in season. And the entire week is built around, okay, we're getting ready to win this damn game. And you're not getting ready to win the game with your backup, all right? And, uh, you know, we go back to the old Tom Moore quote. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, it's like, hey, if Peyton goes down, we're effed. And we don't practice eft. Yeah, Peyton didn't go up, give up first-team snaps. Andrew Luck yeah. never gave up first-team snaps. Jacoby Brissett oh. doesn't give him up. It's just how it is. And that just makes the backup's job that much tougher. Right. So so to reiterate what you said, so so Jacoby goes down. Uh, they're like, hey, Brian, get in there. And he tells uh coaching intern, hey, uh, go get my call sheet, where he basically he highlights the plays on the call sheet for that week that he's comfortable with. So that way, if he gets if he's called upon, they can give that to Frank Reich and he can say, okay, here are the, here's my menu for Brian Hoyer. Whereas he spends the whole week getting on the same page with Jacoby Brissett. So those two are speaking the same language on game day. Now, obviously, Brian Hoyer is in all the meetings and he's involved in all these conversations, but they're not asking him, hey, Brian, what do you like? Because it's not about him. So uh, this is a really crazy situation that yeah, I think I didn't even fully appreciate it until talking to Brian last night. And uh, it's just a really staggering situation that, that these backup quarterbacks get thrown into. But the long and short of it is if Brian Hoyer has to play against the Dolphins, as you said, Zach, he will be imminently better prepared. And I think they will formulate a game plan around him as opposed to right. him having to basically take Jacoby's uh, game plan and go from there. I don't know that they'd be that different, but but certainly you're going to take different plays out of your playbook for one guy versus the other guy. So so we'll see. Uh, the fact that he was throwing to Zach Pascal for the first time yesterday is insane because they looked like they've done it a few times, frankly. Zach Pascal, so. man. Man, <laughs> I mean, what a day for him. What, what, what a back-to-back um, I mean, he's just been on fire of late. And this is a guy that had to work his butt off to make the team in the final preseason game last year. Now, if you look at where he's at right now, leading this team with T.Y. Hilton injured right now, a lot of credit needs to go to Zach Pascal for the way he played yesterday because there's some other receivers on this roster who are not stepping up. But Pascal absolutely is stepping up. Let me tell you, I'm so smart that I remember in week one when they had six receivers on the active roster at that time, I, I was thinking, okay, well, they can't all be active on game day, so one of them's going to have to be inactive. I, I bet it's Zach Pascal. 
<laughs> I actually predicted he might be inactive. I am so stupid. <laughs> and as it turns out, no, he's like the number one receiver right now. Yeah. Granted, in the absence of their top two receivers. But yeah, that's but not he's the, the point. number two I mean, receiver. I mean, I don't think, I don't think it's, co- it's close. Yeah. I mean, right now. Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully the, the goal is within the next couple of weeks, uh, they will be back to full strength there and have both T.Y. Hilton and Devin Funches, perhaps. But yeah, but certainly yeah. for right now, it's Zach Paschal. And uh, T.Y. Hilton is not walking through that door, at least not here in the next week or so. So uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be him. And, and the rest of these guys, they're going to have to get it together. We will circle back to the receivers here in a second, but let's just stay on uh, sort of the bigger scope of all of this. So we've talked about the quarterback situation. Uh, they go on the road, lose this game, you know, a little bit of an upset loss. Uh, Frank Reich, <laughs> I tell you, I, I mean, listen, he, he's getting paid handsomely to do a big job, so this is what it is. But at the same time, <laughs> I feel like the guy can't catch a break. <laughs> I kind of feel bad for him. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's one retires, thing after T.Y. Hilton's hurt. Jacoby Brissett's hurt. <laughs> did a pretty good job yesterday of giving them a chance to win. I thought, I thought offensively, you know, that was the struggle, right? I thought defensively, and you could say this over the last month. Go back to Kansas City, then to Houston, then to Denver. Then Sunday at Pittsburgh, defense has played enough, as well enough for this team to win. They've held teams to a lot of field goals. They're not, it's not their fault, the pick stick captain. That was on the offense. Um, I want to single out Anthony Walker, who I think has been really good the last couple of weeks. I'm giving the defense credit. The offense is just, it, it's just doing a little bit and then a little bit and then a little bit and just didn't do enough yesterday. Yeah. And I think this is, this is where they're going to have to get it fixed. Uh, I think the defense has – it's a trend now. I don't think this is like yeah, here and there. It's a month think, worth. Yeah. We're seeing we're seeing a sustainable trend on defense. Now, they haven't played uh, sort of an offensive powerhouse here in a couple of weeks, but let's not forget, I mean, they still did go out there and, and do a decent job against the Houston Texans uh, three weeks ago. And certainly you saw what they did at Kansas City. Uh, injuries aside, I don't care. I mean, they played – Patrick Mahomes that night and so I I really do think that the defense allows them to sleep at night before we go on here's a quick word from DraftKings this week DraftKings is running a first touchdown scorer promotion just bet on the first touchdown scorer in any primetime pro football game get protected with your wager back if they scored any point in the game how's that for insurance call to action download the DraftKings sportsbook app right now and use code FAST F-A-S-T for a limited time, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. That's code FAST for all new and existing users to get a deposit bonus up to $500. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Indiana only. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. This offense has problems right now, though, so... We've outlined the quarterback situation. We know that T.Y. Hilton is hurt, but it's not just that. And this is where it really gets disconcerting because the one sure thing for this team over the last year plus has been this offensive line. And right now, what's happening here is I, I think when they're, they're, they're pretty good against decent defenses, but when they go up against really good defensive fronts, and they have now two weeks in a row, they are getting... I think exposed in some spots. Yep. And the right side in particular, I, I think we're starting to see it. So so Mark Lewinsky, I think, is getting overpowered at times. 
Uh, and then you're, and certainly he, he's not handling speed very well. And then Braden Smith, we always knew was, was going to struggle against speed rushers. And that continues to be the case. Are you concerned? What is, and if so, what is your level of concern about the offensive line? Yeah. Oh, by gotten, the way, Ryan Kelly's hurt. <laughs> yeah. And that's not good. And he's a lot better than maybe a lot of people realize. And you could see the penetration in the middle of the offensive line yesterday after he went out. This line has been exposed the last two weeks. I think it's fair to say that. Quentin Nelson is not immune to criticism. I want to add that in. He was pushed back several times yesterday. I think Braden Smith's going to see nightmares against Watts in the future. TJ Watt on Sunday in Pittsburgh. It was JJ a couple weeks ago. Um, It was Von Miller as well in between. And Golinski's taking a step back this year. I think it's fair to say that. That doesn't mean these guys haven't made great plays this season. But the offensive line has given up nine sacks in the last two games. That's half as many they gave up the entire last season when they led the NFL. There's a lot of chatter about, well, they made that move in the offseason, right? They fired a coach that revamped the entire unit in Gooch, Dave DiGuglielmo, or however you pronounce his last name. He was a fire-breathing, old-school, say-what-he-wanted coach. And Frank Reich dismissed him as soon as the Kansas City game was over and brought in Chris Strasser. They have had great days on the ground this season with Marlon Mack. There's no doubt about that. They've done a pretty good job of keeping Jacoby Brissett healthy. But they have been bad the last two weeks, and they've been exposed. And they can look great against bad teams. The problem is you're not getting the playoffs unless you beat good teams. And they've got some tough games on the schedule down the stretch. Denver made them look bad. Pittsburgh made them look bad. Houston, you could make the argument as well. And it's it's time to look at this offensive line and wonder what's happening right now because they're not playing good football right now. It's kind of an identity crisis almost because I'll tell you why I say that. Now, last season, they were they were the talk of the NFL in terms of pass protection, and they were flawless. You know, you talked about the sacks. I mean, it was right. unbelievable. There was a stretch of five games where they, Andrew Luck wasn't touched, right? He wasn't sacked at all. Right. And so how we went from that to Andrew Luck retiring for, because of an injury is amazing to me, but whatever. That's another story. Uh, <laughs> the point is, so they were the, the talk of the NFL pass protection last season. This year... They have run blocked like we've never seen before. Like they're at least for the for the first I would say quarter of the season for sure. Uh, they were basically the envy of the NFL when it came to running the football. Yeah, they they were so consistent. That's been less consistent the last few weeks, but I still think uh, I, I think they ran the ball better against Denver than we gave them credit for. I, I still I don't worry too much about the running game, but the pass protection is not there right now, and that's the there. that's the it funny will, thing. How, how is, did Jacoby Brissett get hurt? Let's look at that play. Well, Cam Hayward, now Cam Hayward is a beast, and that's not taking anything away from him. He pushed Quentin Nelson back and back and back. And then yes, by the way, Nelson, that, let's let's really give the Pittsburgh front credit. I I, I have a new respect for TJ Watt. Cam Hayward has always been a player. I mean, those guys yeah. are very underrated up front, but go ahead. And they got to Hoyer as well, but no, and Quentin Nelson fell into Jacoby Reset's mm-hmm. leg, and that's what led to the the injury here. So that penetration that really wasn't there a lot of times last year, that pocket was really clean. I remember Andrew Luck telling his quarterback coach, Marcus Brady, midseason, man, the pocket is just cleaner than it's ever been, you know, for me in Indianapolis. And that's that, that was significant, right? It's not that way this year. Jacoby Brissett probably doesn't get enough credit for the way he's able to escape rushes and he's able to slide. And we saw that last week with the Von Miller play, but there's been several examples. Brian Hoyer is not as fast, not as quick, not as fleet-footed. And he didn't have anywhere to go last last yesterday. And there was a lot of plays where, you know, they're facing third and 19 because they're sacked on second down. So um, that needs to be fixed. It needs to be fixed fast. Glowinski needs to be better. They need Kelly back as soon as possible. And, and Nelson could play better as well. 
Yeah, look, these challenges are going to keep coming, okay? Like, I'm, I'm not suggesting the Dolphins are going to bring it up front, but but certainly in weeks to come, I mean, still got Jacksonville. Uh, they got to go down to Tampa. It's got pass rushers. They got to, well, J.J. Watt's hurt, but we'll see. I mean, they, they do go to New Orleans. I mean, they're going to have more challenges to come. Like, this right. is, they're not out of the woods, okay? They've got to play Jacksonville two more times, okay? I don't care what their offense is doing right now. Uh, they have rushed the passer very effectively against this team. Yep. Uh, they, have, they have to go to New Orleans, okay? That defense is going to bring it. Uh, they've got Tampa, which knows how to rush the passer. They've got to go on the road and play. So, I mean, they are going to have to buckle down on this offensive line and and figure it out because that is – right now, I mean, they, that's one of the areas of this team they hang their hats on. Right. And you can't have weaknesses – uh, in areas that were perceived to be strengths. I mean, because then where are you? So, especially when you're dealing with injuries to some of your key players. So that offensive line, man, I, I think they're going to get called out uh, internally. I don't. It's not going to happen publicly. That's not their style. But it's not the Colts style or Frank Reich's style. But I do think they need to raise the bar right now and and have some expectations for these guys. And, and listen, the thing about it is, uh, I'm not suggesting they're playing terribly in relation to the rest of the NFL. When it comes to offensive line, the problem is they aren't they they aren't held to the same standard. They showed themselves to be a very effective unit last season. They've got tons of draft capital invested in this unit. Yeah. They have to perform, and I, I don't think we should cut them any slack. They have to perform Look, better. It, and it became more and more important the minute Andrew Luck retired, and it became more and more important even than that. The minute Jacoby Brissett got hurt yesterday, because you've all of a sudden you've you're on your third quarterback choice essentially for this right. season, and that's more than ever when you need your offensive line to carry the team. And I thought Marlon Mack got 89 incredible yards yesterday. For him to find the holes that he did, he's probably not getting enough credit for that. He has been yeah. really impressive, especially between the tackles this season. But you're right; you're absolutely right. This was an identity thing. And it hasn't been how they've won football games of late. And that's a concern. Speaking of things that were supposed to be good that are concerning, we are back to the conversation we had earlier this season about the kicker. You've probably seen the replay a thousand times. What were your thoughts having seen the replay? Do the laces matter? Is it just a bad kick? And how much more of this are we going to have to see this season? Oh God! Please, I hope not a lot. Uh, <laughs> Boy, I'm exhausted. Yeah. I'm so exhausted yeah. every week. So, yeah. I, I will say this: Listen, I I listened to Pat McAfee and his um, sort of take on this on ESPN. I thought that was very interesting. Uh, if you didn't hear it, so Pat's I have not version heard it yet. of I just got back from Pittsburgh. What did Pat say? All right, so, in, in so quick... Pat's version is this: So he was on morning television today. He said that well, they, they played the replay. You, we all saw the laces facing the quarterback. He said two things. Number one, he says that's on the on the snapper, which is something I said after the game, and I, I thought that might be the case. So he confirmed that for me. That's on the snapper because it's it's about the rotation of the ball and how it's delivered to the holder. The holder can only spin it so much and, and okay. get it down. That's what Rigo so, was saying last night. Okay. Right. So that's on the that's on the snapper. It's not ideal. And now Pat said uh, it's almost impossible to make that kick. I, that's where I wonder. No, and, and I don't know if I buy that. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a kicker. I don't have an expert. I don't have expertise in this. As long as I've covered the NFL, I mean, my all of us. I mean, my my knowledge of kicking remains limited because it's kicking. I don't 
never done it don't know anything about it however uh i'll just tell you just to complete the thought what pat said is that he says because of the laces that part of the ball is the softest part of the ball that's probably true i mean i've thrown a football before that's true and the way it comes off your foot is just different now that being said you asked me what did i think what i think is the ball took a left freaking turn and do you, it's the, it's one of the ugliest kicks I've ever seen. I, I don't think I, that I ball's just don't going know. in if the laces are out. You know, I mean, that's it, what it I'm was, wondering. It was a duck. It was like me hitting a three iron. It was a duck pull left that just never even gave it a chance to get up above the crossbar to go between the uprights. It's one of the worst kicks we've ever seen Adam Vinteri make. This guy's made like 1,500 kicks in his career. You're telling me not once or twice or 20 times he's had a that's bad hold, a bad snap. Um, it, it, it looked like he grazed the ground, and I don't even know if grazed is the right word. It looked like maybe he stubbed his right foot, okay. his kicking foot well, Pat, on the ground. Pat mentioned what did that Pat too. What say about that? He said, he said he did not think that was a, a factor. He said he always does that. I, again, mm. I don't know. It looked pretty, it looked like Pat a pretty good chunk to me. Us, but, but, yeah, I give Rigo him some took benefit the blame in the doubt, locker but, room. And I, I wrote about this yesterday, and Rigo took the blame in the locker room, and Vinny was very diplomatic. He took. He took, you know, he shouldered the blame. He said, I got to make every kick, period. That's that's the right thing to say. Rigo said, I didn't do a good enough job. I need to get those laces out. I didn't do it. It's a 1.3 second operation. I understand that. But this is, I mean, how many times of this season is this, how many times is the kicking game going to cost this team this season? They're 7-1. and one. Let me ask you this. a really credible argument. They're 7-1 and one without this stuff. Let me ask you this. Um, Darius Leonard didn't have his best game yesterday. But Darius Leonard has earned the benefit of the doubt because from week to week, he's been very good. He's had a, a couple games this year that he probably would want back, I think. Uh, the opener in Los Angeles comes to mind. But yeah. that being said, there are also games where they don't win it without Darius Leonard because he was a monster out there. Absolutely. Now, now let's apply that standard to Adam Vinatieri this season. Now, we're not talking about two years ago, three years ago, four years ago. We're talking about this season. Has he earned the benefit of anybody's doubt? I think the answer is no. I don't believe that he has. And I think when you look at it in its totality, you cannot sit here and say, uh, you know what, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on the, on the laces being the issue here. Well, how can you say That's that? A good point. It, even if it is an issue, right? It's probably an issue. But do you have to earn the benefit of the doubt? And th- the, his performance this season really hasn't earned him the benefit of anybody's doubt. I don't think problem. Adam Vinatieri would argue right now with what I'm about to say that if his name la- if his last name wasn't Vinatieri, he would not have a job right now. And I'm not no saying question. there's better kickers out there. The Colts had six kickers in a couple weeks ago. They stuck with Vinatieri. Frank Reich is adamant that he believes in Vinatieri. But at what point do you do this to a point where it's hurting the team? Because he's kicking at a 70% clip right now, which has got to be the worst in the league, which is the worst of his That's career. That's not even good enough in college, okay? No, it's not. That gets and you benched in college. That doesn't even take into account his extra points, which he's missed five of. He's missed five field goals, and mm. he's missed five extra points. Five extra points in eight games. So going back yeah. to your point, benefit of the doubt, I'm not buying it. Um, he did make a game winner last week against Denver which was a great great kick. kick. It was a great kick. But the inconsistency is what kickers lose their jobs on. And the dependability is what he's made his name on. And right now, he's not dependable. And right now, the Colts are paying the price. And like we've talked about this whole year, with this room for error shrinking, 
when they lose their star quarterback 15 days before the season opener and the defense doing enough to give the offense a chance to win every single week. Every single week, it's been a one-score game. The kicking game just absolutely magnifies in importance. And you're missing kicks like this at this frequency. It's killing this team. And and how long are they going to be able to live with this? Because they've got a playoff run hanging in the balance right here. Whether they can make the playoffs, whether they can win the division, all that is possible. All that is in their future. But this is this is not going away. And then, and you think you get over the hump, and it comes back. I mean, he missed an extra point yesterday. He had blocked. So. Um, here we are, week eight, midpoint of the season, and we're still talking about the kicker who can't seem to get things fixed. Yeah, I again, I just think that this has all kinds of implications, right? So one of the things that I asked Frank Reich after the game yesterday was, okay, two weeks in a row, they have a situation where they were setting up, offensively, they're setting up for a game-winning field goal. Or so yeah, they that's a good point. And so last week against Denver – we're sitting there in the press box and we're like, Frank, you're about 45 yards away here, buddy. And and he just said, you know what? Screw it. We're going to run it up the middle and we're going to kick this field goal. Now, and Viteri bailed him out and uh, made him look like a genius. They win it. Now, this week, very similar scenario, a little shorter field goal, but clearly they get what I think on that first and 10 situation there before the field goal, uh, Marlon Mack popped about eight or nine yards. Yeah, it's good then, run. Yeah, then they get sort of stuffed, don't get anything, and then they lose, what, three or four yards on third yeah, down? the third down uh, was costly. Not the that question, it the kick. Yeah, I think he. I think two things. Number one, he thought they were going to be able to get the first down and then keep running the clock and moving closer, and, and obviously that would be good for everybody. Uh, that's one thing. But then when they got to third down, I wondered – you know, should they maybe have thrown the ball? But I, I, I guess I, I get it. I, it's just too easy to say let's play this safe and let's just get out of here. I, I get that. But you should. But absolutely, do they have that luxury now? That's the thing. I don't know. You should. I don't absolutely know. believe your kicker can make a forty-three yarder. I, that's Every the NFL thing, right? team should believe that. Every NFL right. team should have that confidence. Frank Reich did, and the kick wasn't even close. This is this is where we're at. You know, if if you're a basketball coach, right, and or this is Indiana, if you're a basketball coach, and you set up a an out of bounds play for the last play of the game, and it gets you an open jumper from 18 feet, you feel pretty good about that. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, it may or may not go in, but that's a that's a great shot if you can get that right, and that's kind of what you're thinking there. 43 yards, NFL game on the line i take my chances with that you you should be able to take your chances with that and and i, yeah. I just everything is good about it. i think i think that's the only that's only the second time vinatieri has missed a game-winning opportunity with the colts i'm sure the listeners of this podcast remember the first time in san diego in the 2007 season mm-hmm. the colts survived five interceptions from peyton manning at that point in the game Vinatieri missed a 23-yarder, I believe, that would have won it. Peyton had another interception after that to make six, which is a career high for him. But it's he the had worst a lot kick of help I've that seen. night, like you did yeah, yesterday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the worst kick I've seen with the game in the line by a Colts kicker since Mike Vanderjagt against the same Steelers in 2005, a game no fan wants to think about or revisit hmm. or replay. But it's that bad. It's, it was that bad of a kick. There was a lot less on the line. But – here we go again, and Vinatieri is – I mean, right, this is it, right? I mean, whether 
whether he lasts the rest of the season, I, I probably think he, I think he does. But th- this is it, right? This year twenty four is it for him, right? Oh, it, I mean, I hate to be to be like flippant about it, but like it can't come soon enough. I mean, it has to end. No NFL I mean, team can can live with this kind of kicking woes. Again. Yeah. No. No. Yeah, and and like I said earlier, and it's, it's like sad I, it's ending like this. To be honest, because he's one of the greatest players in franchise history. Right, like I was saying, like part of me wants to say, like Frank Reich, man, you got to look out for yourself here and just go for the win. But but then, like like you said, it's like how do you justify, you know, doing something risky when you've got this great opportunity to win? But that's where they're at right now, and that's why I think if they're going to hang on with, if they're going to stick with Vinatieri, look, they're putting their reputations on the line here. And that's something I've already said before. They were doing that. They've been doing that. But, yeah. I mean, with every game that it, it comes back to hurt them, uh, it, it it sort of nibbles away a little bit at your credibility. And I, I don't know. I, I just wonder how long that can be sustained. Um, look, you got 53 men on this team. I know they have his back. And I'm not suggesting that they should do I'm not, I'm not suggesting what they should do. I'm saying this is a situation where everything has to be on the table because at this point, look, your your team, you're asking so much of your team. No quarterback, no number one Pro Bowl receiver, really no number two receiver. Devin Funch has been hurt all year. Their starting center's hurt. you got to uh, win the games you can win. Yeah, Period. man. This was like they wasted it. This was and, and we'll get to the other reasons, but. But man, I mean, that's a great opportunity and it went down the drain. So, all right, we'll get off of Vinatieri's case here a little bit and uh, let's move on to, let's talk about these receivers a little bit real quick. Um, we touched on it earlier. Zach Pascal, love what he's doing. Uh, the guy's earning some money. He's not going to be an unrestricted free agent yet, but um, but certainly he he has shown himself to be very reliable and and I think is is a guy who's going to play in this league for a while. So I'm thoroughly impressed. However, the rest of that crew, yuck! Wow. Let me ask you a question: How many catches does Deion Kane have in the 2019 season? <laughs> oh my God! That's I don't know the answer to this. Uh, I'm gonna say four. You're you're dead on. That's okay. Okay, I actually can almost remember them all, which is really sad. <laughs> <laughs> this is a player coming off an ACL tear, and it was going to take him time to get back to where he was. He did have a really good training camp. I mean, I saw it with my own eyes, and this was not against scrubs every we day. We weren't exaggerating. This yeah. was guys. I mean, he was beating the ones. He was beating Kenny Moore. He was beating Pierre Desir at times. He was beating Quincy Wilson. I guess Quincy's not a one anymore. He can't get on the field. Healthy scratch for the second week in a row, but that's a whole different whole other story. story. <laughs> Deion Kane has not stepped up this season. Now, there are still eight games to go. There's still plenty of room for him to make a move. I, I liked what I saw from Paris Campbell yesterday, aside from the ball security issues. But the Colts are still waiting for Deion Kane to step up. That opportunity to step up and grab that number two receiving position behind T.Y. Hilton is not Chester Rogers. It's certainly not Deion Kane. It is absolutely Zach Paschal right now. And Kane is, is just, he's just there right now. Two targets yesterday, his confidence no catches, is shot. a drop, not a factor in the offense at all right now. I, I worry that his confidence is shot. Uh, the other guy I worry about is not on the same level, but I do worry a little bit about Paris Campbell because 
he shows you some things and you're like, oh, man, you better get that guy the ball. <laughs> but then well, he puts it on the ground and you're like, ah, don't give him the ball. So yeah, I don't know. No, I get it's, that. I, it was worse Sunday and it was better today when I watched the tape. Maybe I'm crazy. Look, you don't fumble the football. His, the long run he had where he was going to score a touchdown until he got happy feet and fell and fumbled the ball was <laughs> awful and unforgivable. And you can't Turf make monster. that mistake. It looked like a rookie. But this dude is dynamic and he's fast and you got to keep getting him the ball. I think he's still someone you go to and you build plays around and you scheme because he's dynamic and he's talented and they don't have a T.Y. Hilton out there right now and they need to get someone to get this, you know, to get the pressure off Zach Pascal. I mean, Eric Ebron only had two catches yesterday. Jack Doyle was his steady self, but uh, I'm 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 going to continue continue going to 15 that's just me i just i just think he's a player i just think he's too talented there came a time in the game yesterday where i think i might have said this out loud to you i was like the offense was getting bogged down a little bit there in the second half and i'm like man time's running out and i said you know what just just draw something up for campbell man at this point and if it yep. if it blows up in your face then screw it then you're, you're gonna lose either way but like at least give yourself a chance because he's the he's the guy that, that has the potential spark like he's the potential yeah. spark right now he can now. turn six into 25 or something you know marlon yeah. can do that as well but they need those kind of plays he's their home run threat right now and i i will tell you everything that frank reich has said about paris campbell and he has said a lot Okay. Yes. Everything he has said about him, I saw it yesterday. I was like, okay, I get it. I totally get it. And I get why he was running around, running around the draft room high-fiving people on draft night yep. because they yep. got this kid. Like, he's I got get track it speed. now. Yeah. Yeah. However, he's going he's gonna to have to work through this. He's going to have to prove that he doesn't have ball security issues because in this league, look, you won't play. You, you will not play if you put the ball on the ground. But at the same time, uh, guys like Chester Rogers are putting it on the ground. And he doesn't have the home run threat, so maybe he's in good company. I don't know. I mean, at least at least he's got the potential. Year. He doesn't. If you go back to this very time last year, Zach Pascal was struggling with catches and drops and ball security. Yeah. Guys can get out of this, and I think Paris Campbell will. I'm not excusing his his drops and his fumbles yesterday. He had two right on the return and then on the long catch and run. Um, but he still had five catches for 53 yards. He beat a lot of guys in space. And he had three carries for twenty-seven. I just think I just think you keep giving the ball to fifteen because at full strength, T.Y. Hilton, Zach Pascoe playing well. I think you still want fifteen to be a threat because he can be a threat over the middle. I will. I still believe that at full strength, this receiving core has like incredible potential. Okay, I still am a believer in Devin Funches. Uh, having a big role potentially, or I shouldn't say a big role, but having a lot of ability to help them. Uh, we'll see how big his role is, right? Well, that'll right. have to get figured right. out. But right, but I think I, he I might do practice think, this week, though, which is yeah, good because he, he can return he, as early as Jacksonville next week. Yeah, so so he is. He seems like he's on track. I think um, he's kind of been uh, popping in at practice a couple of times now, just you know, as a observer. So he's getting more engaged. He's been in the locker room, so he's he's getting close for sure. Because we didn't see Devin Funches for about a month, right? So he's definitely getting close. It looks like he's getting close. Yeah, yeah. So, but I, I still feel like like that receiving core can be very good. I also will throw this out there, and I may regret throwing this out there because I may be wrong, but I, I think there's a chance that that Ty Hilton's three to four week prognosis is is a little bit of a conservative estimate. So, what I mean by that is, I I don't think it 
it may not take the full four weeks. I, I think this guy might be on the shorter side of that. Um, I think the Colts so are being a little Sunday. conservative there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So No, I mean, we'll what see. did Frank Reich say on Friday, right? He's, he basically said he's Wolverine. He, he heals faster than anyone <laughs> in the history of healing. We've seen this. We've, we've seen him play with pain before. Um, this was a non-contact thing in Wednesday's practice. Um, Frank Reich did give the three- to four-week timeline the ironic, ironic part excuse me, is that game at the end of that four-week timeline happens to be in Houston. And if I know T.Y. Hilton, he ain't missing a game in Houston because that's where he eats. Literally, they should just name the stadium after him. He's had so many big games down there. Um, I know the Colts would very, very much welcome him back as soon as possible. Right. Right. So, so we'll see. I, I do think that the, when Frank Reich says, generally speaking, as he kept emphasizing when he announced yeah. T.Y.'s injury the other day, when he says generally speaking, what I think that means is this, this sort of severity of, of cap strain generally takes three to four weeks. But that's for like normal people, <laughs> not for Wolverine, as you said. So, so we'll see. Um, T.Y. is different. But, but anyhow. Getting back to my point, I really do think this this receiving core has an opportunity to really be special, but they're going through a rough time right now, and I, I just think they've got to work out some of these kinks. Thank goodness for Zach Pascal. I think he gives them a steady uh, sort of contributor who who they can go to when maybe Ty is is covered, and you know his his confidence right now is so high that I think he'll be able to step up when when he needs to going forward because he, he won't have to be the number one guy here in, in a few weeks, you would hope, right? That's that's a temporary situation. So right. when he gets back to being sort of the third or fourth guy, uh, that's going to be a really good situation because his confidence is way up and he'll be able to, to step in and have a role. And Frank Wright likes to play a bunch of guys anyway. So, But they, they got to hold down the fort a couple more weeks, I think, uh, and get it together because they're going to have to play without a couple guys here for a little bit. So um, let's start to wind this down. Well, we got uh, we got work to do, but um, let's just touch on defense real quick. I thought that we said this earlier, but very acceptable performance for me. They gave up two plays, a big run and a big pass. Yeah, uh, I think other than that, we're talking about just some some you know sort of. Uh, brain farts here and there, yeah. but I, I think they're fine. Uh, Justin yeah. Houston, thoughts on Justin Houston? <laughs> Justin he keeps Houston, bringing it. Man. That, that signing is looking better and better. That's what the defense is going to look like when it's playing well. They're mm-hmm. going to give up field goals. They're not going to give up very many big plays. Those will happen. Um, but the defense is playing winning football right now. I, I truly believe that. You take away the pick six, and they're giving up you know 15, 12, 18 points a game. You should be able to score that much, if not more. I think the defense is really starting to play Matt Eberflus's style. I think it started in Kansas City when they changed some things up. And remember, they're playing without one of their very, very best players. A lot of people forget about it. Pierre Desir has missed two games in a row. He is their best cover corner on the outside. He's a really good player that does a lot of good things that never get noticed. And I, when they get him back, this hamstring has been I very think he's stubborn. close. When they get him back, I think they'll be even better. But right now, I love the way Anthony Walker's playing. And Justin was, Houston's been really good, too. Yeah, that, that was, yeah, Anthony Walker, I'm glad you mentioned him. He does deserve a mention. Anthony Walker, I think he played, that was a Darius Leonard kind of game, I thought. And not in terms of numbers. I don't even know how many tackles he had. It doesn't matter. Uh, well, he had 10 tackles, for that matter, which is pretty damn good. But yeah. it's not the numbers. It was the impact of those plays. Yeah. Uh, a couple guys, he tackled in space, prevented bigger gains. And I think it's more about 
it's less about numbers when it comes to tackles and more about did they matter and did you do your job and prevent bigger plays? And Anthony Walker certainly did that. So, uh, listen, I, I think it, it, it's good to see individual guys stepping up on defense. Um, you know, what's going on in the secondary with Yasin? Eh, look, you know, a little up and down, right? But but yeah. I think overall, given, uh, you know, given what he did last week, I thought at least, you know, we saw a positive direction for him at least this week. So... Well, that's the Colts in a nutshell, man. Man, we said there was a lot going on. Like <laughs> we weren't lying. Uh, it's a good way all, to have the Dolphins in town. I'll just say uh, that. Yeah, but uh, it's still going to be uh, a busy week because the Dolphins uh, the arrive are, on a winning streak. By the way, <laughs> that's right. a winning the streak team of one. The teams that that's coming into this week into this game with a win is not the Colts. Think about that. Who knew? So, NFL, man, it's the gift that keeps on giving. It's never a dull moment, So, uh, which keeps us gainfully employed and uh, you keep and keeps you reading our stories, I suppose. So, it all works. Well, that's it for us today. Uh, we will be back later this week. We'll have the subscriber-only podcast later this week, Thursday, Friday. And uh, once you look forward to that. And in the meantime, stay tuned to The Athletic. I guess we'll just kind of have to see where things go this week with the quarterback situation and other injuries as well. But uh, you will definitely have uh, reason for intrigue with the Colts because that's just what they do. So uh, this is 1% Better. Thanks for listening. If you haven't subscribed, by the way, to The Athletic, now's your chance. Lots of good deals out there. Uh, Hopefully you'll find something that you can uh, dig into on The Athletic. Lots of coverage of every team under the sun. So we appreciate you listening. Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. And this is 1% Better. 1% 